The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. So I want to talk about responding to calamity. I want to talk about responding, you know, and I don't mean responding when a shooter comes in a room. I do think that that would be something you should know. I do believe in carrying weapons and all of that. I'd like to ask you, though, uh, if you're carrying a weapon here in the church, um, you don't need to brandish that thing. Does anybody know what I'm talking? You know what brandishing is? Yeah, we're, that's fine. You carry your gun. Amen. But, but you don't want to hold that, you know, giant 44 Magnum going down your leg with the strap around your knee and, you know, spurs on as you come down. Just, you say, why not? I could do it. Yeah, you, you can. But I just would like to just state that it's not necessary to do that here. And it makes other, it's really, it makes other people feel uncomfortable. And, and that's, we should not think about just what we want to do. So let me say that, all right? Shoot, I think half the folks here are carrying weapons. Praise God. I'll tell you, the biggest, the biggest, biggest challenge you'd have is a crossfire. Praise the Lord. So thankful for our safety team and all that. And we'll never have a problem in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. and everybody said, Amen. Amen. But what to do when calamity hits or when tragedy strikes? In Luke 13, and I've preached from this numerous times. Oh, no, no, sorry. Uh, why don't you go to 2 Corinthians? And then we'll go to Luke 13. 2 Corinthians, and if you'd put it on the screen, it'd be great. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And uh, starting in verse 7. Paul develops a theme. Let me get it here on my phone. Paul develops a theme here on how to experience the manifest presence of God in a greater way in your life. And uh, he gives insights on our response to God, his presence, and the pressure that, that comes from the world. I, I don't know. If you're alive, you have some pressure on you. And uh, the pressure can come uh, in numerous ways. We got that, Second Corinthians chapter 4. Are you all there? Yeah. I got Second Chronicles. How about that? <laughs> Hallelujah. That's, that's good also. We won't read from that right now. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from ourselves. So from verse 7, we understand that Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, is saying that we have this treasure, talking about the Holy Spirit in jars of clay, talking about your human body made in God's image and likeness. 
to show the all-surpassing powers from God and not from ourselves. In other words, when something great happens, like somebody gets healed of their liver condition, we know what crackpots we are, if we may humbly say that, and understand clearly that whatever, whatever goodness flows from us is from the Lord. Now, you can get all weird and have a false sense of humility and say, well, I'm nothing but a worm, but that's not a biblical view of yourself. No, you're very special, the apple of God's eye or the object of his affection, but at the same time, you realize that in and of yourself without God, you're a crackpot. You understand? We all, come on, how many crackpots do we have out there? Right, we're all flawed vessels, but his power, when it flows through us to heal someone with a liver cancer or liver disease, to, to release his power, to, to do signs, wonders, miracles, to release his goodness, to release the kingdom, when that happens through one of us, it's obvious it's got to be God. And that's what he's saying. Let's, let's keep reading this now. No, I'm skimming. Just hold on a second. Isn't the Lord good? Because we know, verse 14, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may, res may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For this, for our light and momentary troubles or affliction, another version says, are achieving for us, listen very closely, those of you under pressure, those of you in difficulty, those of you in the midst of trials, which is probably every single person here at some level or another, are light and momentary. Somebody said, I've been struggling with this for 20 years. This is momentary. Well, it doesn't feel like momentary to you, but it's momentary in the, in the, from the view of eternity. Momentary troubles are achieving for us. Wow. So pressures and troubles achieve stuff for us. You see, momentary light affliction, another version says. Your trouble, your pressure, your difficulty, if you respond the way that's right, will achieve something for you in God that nothing else can. So don't ever waste a good trial. Don't waste a good problem. Don't waste the suffering that you're in the midst of. Achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Wow. So actually, when you are able to overcome and allow this treasure to flow in your life, it achieves for you a reward in heaven. It achieves for you something greater in, in, in the age to come. But it's not just in the age to come. It's also now. If you want to walk in a greater anointing, you got to use the anointing. Anointing, what is that? It's like Christianese. 
anointing, the God power, the God enablement, the, the God endowment to get the God stuff done. So you have to learn to walk in God in such a way in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your pain, and it achieves something for you. And what that is, is greater manifest presence, not only now, but in the age to come. So when you're in the midst of difficulties and trials, when you're in the midst of, of painful scenarios and your, your body is racked and you can't seem to get up and you're aching and, and filled with pain maybe or you've been rejected or, or you, got, you got canned on the job, you got fired. I never got fired until I got saved. I don't know what was up with that. It was amazing. What a great experience that was. I'm on fire, full of the zeal of the Lord, making sandwiches for, for a, a restaurant called the Kihei Cafe many, many years ago. And the, the, the boss, the owner, Dave, says, um, you need to make the sandwich differently. I said, okay. And so he showed me, but my way was better. <laughs> I'm just saying my way was better. He didn't have enough meat up on that thing. You know, and the, and the way that he sliced the tomatoes and the different things that he did, it's just like, like many, I know how to make a sandwich a little bit better than what he did. So I got corrected again. Daniel, make the sandwich the way I'm telling you. I'm like, yeah, but no, no, I, I'm the boss. I'm the owner. I write your checks. This is my restaurant. If you want to have your own restaurant, then you can make your sandwiches the way you want to. You make the sandwiches the way I want to. So time went by, and I'm... Changed a little bit, but decided that my way was still better. I was trying to help him out, and I'll never forget. I'll never forget him coming down and he looks at a plate that was going down. And he says, "You're fired." I said, "What? Wait a minute." I prayed in tongues right there. Shakatana, you're fired. I thought I'm fired. He says, "Yeah, you're fired. You can't. You have a problem with authority. You can't obey any orders. You're out. I'll give you your check. Come and come and get your check here. Let me write it out for you. Whatever." Boom, you're done. I remember walking home. I didn't even have a bike. <laughs> and it was, a, it was a point of difficulty for me. It was painful to experience the rejection of a boss. Some of you have been rejected by your mom, rejected by your dad. Some of you have been rejected by society, rejected by people because of the color of your hair or the fact that you have none. Some of you have been through some difficulties. It's unspeakable. The things that you have gone through in your home, the way that you've been abused and not received and how your dad didn't love you, the way that you were intended to be loved by God. And as a result, every time Father's Day comes around, you just get bowed up and want to go fishing instead of go to church or send a card to your dad because you hate him. You got to get healed. And these things that you've gone through in your life, they're working for you a far exceeding weight of glory now and in the age to come. It's a momentary light affliction. So whenever you're facing a problem or some pain or some difficulty, don't just look at it like, oh, it's just me. Nobody. Let's stop that. Ever devil. That's what the lady from Georgia said. Ever devil in hell is coming after me. Not ever devil. <laughs> It's probably one or two demoted ones. Come on. <laughs> Ever devil in hell. So let's, I want to look at this passage. That's just kind of bonus. Luke 13, stand up on your feet. I won't preach long to you. We'll be done at the half hour. I thank God. Amen for being rebuked and corrected. 
I don't like trials, but I sure like what they do for me. I don't like painful difficulty. I don't like roadblocks, but I'll tell you what, I've never seen someone serve God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, pray, submit, yield. I've never seen them not get the victory. I've never, I've never, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging bread. And so in the midst of your difficulty, quit pointing the finger and realize when you point the finger, there's three pointing back at you. And start taking personal responsibility for your own dysfunction. Get rid of your victim mentality and start learning to walk as a victor. No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. You're going through something, oh, you don't know how hard it is. I'm not trying to mock you. I'm just saying I have, I have my story. My story is pretty extreme. Not going to get into that right now, but then again, maybe I will. Some of you say, oh, you're just raised in a Christian home. and you're, Oh, you're right. And yet I, yep, my story can't hold a candle to some of the suffering that maybe some of you have been through. But no temptation sees you. And God is able to take you, raise you up, change you, fill you, set you on fire. He's able to use you. He's able to bring beautiful things through your life. But you have to do it his way. So stop, stop belly aching and all the wind and the waves. Come on, stop complaining about all your trials and all the pressure. Oh, it's so hard. Shut up. <laughs> and embrace it with a loving heart to say, now change me in this thing. Did I create this? What did I, what did I do here? Is there, what responsibility do I need to take? Is there someone else that did it that you're tied to and you let them over the fence all the time to wreak havoc? Maybe you should build a higher fence and communicate bravely to them and say, hey, Bubba, you can't come and mess up my, my, you can't come and mess up my backyard of my emotions anymore. I need some new friends. Communicate bravely. I'm helping somebody. I'm off the notes. I'm trying to help you. Trying to help you. And when you go through suffering, you go through difficulty. And listen, some of you have been riding your mom and dad's coattails. Praise God for those. Uh, There's coming a time when you ain't going to have any coattails, and you're going to have to ride on your own. You're going to have to get some faith of your own. Thank God for mom and dads that pray. Praise hallelujah. But then there comes a transition where you then have to learn to embrace the pain, embrace the difficulty, and let God work through the cracked pot that you are, and let him show forth his glory, turn it all around, and work for you a far exceeding weight of glory. Now, now, more power and presence now, as well as in the age to come. Can you say amen? amen? All right. If you're offended, you need healing. You can sign up for counseling. <laughs> Luke 13, and we do have notes for you. There were present at this season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifice. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed... Do you think that they were worse sinners than all the other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, 
you will likewise perish. Father, we stand before you and thank you for your presence, your power, your anointing, yoke-destroying, burden-lifting power of God upon people's physical body, upon emotions, upon our lives tonight, that you're equipping us for the work of ministry tonight. I bind, gag, and muzzle every demonic spirit, every hindrance and distraction, including smartphones, Facebook, and anything that would try to rip off your people from the truth of God's word. I take authority over over every assignment that's against this house, uh, that's against your life and mine, I, I command it to be broken today in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that through this very simple message this morning and the next, this evening and the next 15 or 20 minutes, that you release living understanding and truth, that we would respond differently the next time we're faced with a trial or a scenario or a crisis or a calamity. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. My wife and I were given a book by Randy Bolander that talks about all these scenarios and um, when the unthinkable happens is the name of the book. It's not a Christian book. It's when the unthinkable happens. When the unthinkable happens like 911, certain people respond in certain ways. I mean, all of us respond differently to tragedy, to calamity. There's some people that snap to it and run right to the fire to go save people. Other people freeze. You go to the books, fascinating. Other people freeze in place. At 9-11, that talks about the 9-11 the, the attacks on our nation and the twin tire, towers in those office buildings. There were secretaries getting together. I mean, the, the, the building's coming down and workers, secretaries, uh, presidential companies shuffling around papers and gathering photographs and uh, and and finishing you know finishing a you know a little something at the desk before they headed for the stairs. Many people that that just hesitated they froze. When calamity strikes, what what do you do? What do you do? The way the way that I'm wired up is I'm I'm I just run charge right into car accidents, car crashes. But other people don't do that. That can be dangerous if you live that way. But it's sort of the way the Lord wired me up as a shepherd. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you military guys, you know what I'm talking about. It's the fire shots fired. You're running right at the shots. You're drawn, ready to rock. Other folks freeze. Other people get under the bed, hide. There's people that go into Denial, that's a river in Egypt. <laughs> Benghazi, you think about Benghazi and there's a movie out and everything. I mean, where were you? What was your response? I mean, what's your response to calamity? What's your response to shooting? Different terror attacks in Paris, you remember that? Some go into a shell. There's all kinds of different responses. It's interesting to me how Jesus responded on this occasion here in uh, Luke 13, when he's teaching some uh, and they tell him about this tragedy. Now this tragedy, the, the, the blood that's mingled with the sacrifices is a pretty, it's a pretty insane accusation. The Galatians, the, pardon me, the Galileans whose blood Pilate mingled with their sacrifices. 
So apparently some Galileans were killed and their blood was taken and mingled with sacrifices. It's, it's an atrocity. Now we don't know about this in history or of the Tower of Siloam killing 18 people. You'll only read it here. I've, I've done some research. If you find something, you let me know. But we know that it's that which they all knew about. It was some tragedies that took place within the life of Jesus, within the past 30 years or maybe his parents' lifetime. It was something that they all knew about. That's why he used it. And he's saying, do you think that because of this tragedy, this, this calamity that took place, and he, do you think there were worse sinners? And he begins to question them. I want to teach you just very briefly how to respond in the midst of tragedy, how to respond in the midst of calamity personally. And you can apply it to how to respond in the midst of trial. So again, to the notes, uh, they, they tell Jesus of this tragedy. Perhaps they're trying to elicit from him some anti-Roman response. They're always trying to fool Jesus, trying to get him not to pay taxes and so on and so forth. So it could have been that they're trying to trick Jesus to say, yeah, those Romans, you know, they should never be here and so on and so forth. But he, he passes all the tests. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. It was another test that they tried to get him in trouble with. And he would just over and over respond the right way. Or perhaps the story is an illustration on what Jesus is teaching. And he was teaching on judgment just before this. And I don't know why it is, but it seems easy for us to tell people bad news. It shouldn't be like that. Don't let your heart go pitter-patter about, about bad news. And um, I want to I share some bad news that happened to one of our own just over the past, um, I think it was Sunday, is that right? Um, Minister Chris Diamond, how many of you know Minister Chris? He was on my staff here. He's still on the staff of our church. He lives in Maui. His uh, sister, Amy, lived in London, and she was opening a window, and the window was stuck, so she applied pressure and fell out of the window to her death. And he's hurting tonight. And um, in fact, we'll pray for him in just a second. That's a horrible tragedy. At 27 years old, he's, he's, he and his family, they're all gathering there. They had to go to London to get the body. and And... Um, we pray for the Diamond family. We pray now, God, you'd cover them and you'd protect them. In Jesus' name. And you'd turn this for good in the name of Jesus. We pray for Steve. Is it Scalia? Is that how you say his last name? The whip leader, the Republican. You'd heal him. You'd help him. One of the main leaders in the Republican Party was shot in the hip today. We pray you'd help them. All those that were, that were wounded, injured, Lord, that you would help them. Even the man that died, that you would help and touch his family and, and heal them too. That you'd heal America. Yeah. Amen. So if you would keep um, Chris, Minister Chris Diamond in prayer and his whole family. And, and some of you know, some of you don't. Maylene, our beloved Maylene, who's affectionately called Ming. She's gone to, um, to be there and help the family. She, the, Minister Chris and Maylene are engaged and uh, to be married in November. So if you would, would you cover them? Would you just cover them in prayer? What a, what a horrible tragedy. 
What should your response be when tragedy comes? I don't know why we're so excited about telling bad news, but we should never get excited about telling bad news. Whenever you face a tragedy, it should, don't judge the victim. Everybody say, don't judge the victim. I've had people say the most incredibly um, moronic statements. A moron is a special kind of stupid. That's what Google says. And, you know, maybe it was passed on to them that way, and, and I certainly have been a moron. Don't raise your hand. I have before. I hope to not ever be a moron again. Thank you, brother in the back. But when something bad happens, they say, oh, well, wow, I wonder if they're, you know, they're probably in sin or something, you know. Oh, wow, you know. Well, they, wow, yeah. I told him he should lay off, quit sinning. I told him he should. That is not the right response. Don't judge the victim. Everybody say it. Don't judge the victim. It's like the, the Monday morning quarterback. Dude, you can't throw the ball 25 yards. What are, you, what are you trying to say about the quarterback on the big game on the weekend? Don't judge the victim. And uh, you're not better than them, and neither am I. None of us are better than anybody else. And if you think you are, that's called pride. You'll be judged for it. So there you go. You know what's exciting to me? Is that I'm not going to be judged by the gifts that you have. It's just sort of exciting and then uh, concerning. I'm not going to be judged by the gifts that you have. I'm going to be judged by the gifts and the talents that God has given me. You're going to be judged by the gifts and the talents that God has, God has given you. And so you don't ever have to compare yourself with somebody else, you know. And you certainly know better than, by the grace of God, how many people throw stones at homosexuals and cross-dressers and transvestites and people that have gone through or are in that bondage and lifestyle and they, they shake their fist and get all angry? Dude, for the grace of God, you're not all tweaked and twisted in some whorehouse yourself. Stop it. Stop. Be thankful. Be thankful for, come on, you got your own issues, right? I'm not saying this to put you under condemnation. I'm just saying don't judge people. Stop. Love people. Everybody say it. Love people love and that can be hard because people can be really irritating <laughs> Jesus makes it clear asking these two questions verse 2 look at verse 2 do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than the other Galileans because they suffered such things I tell you no so in other words now there is there is sin can open the door and does generally open the door for the enemy and for sickness yes so you know you don't want to live a lifestyle of sin and it can and it can be uh, a root cause of disease and things like that but he's saying here it can also just be because we live in a fallen human a fallen world a fallen human world you know accidents happen when a tree falls and somebody gets hit by it I mean, whose fault is that? Is that the I think things can be attributed to the devil, and sometimes certainly it can be demonic, but other times it was our own foolishness. So isn't God in control of all that? But he honors your will. See. So don't don't judge, don't judge the victim. So 
when bad things happen, it's not our job to point the finger at people and say, well, oh. I'm, I'm going to throw myself under the bus once again. I, it's one of my specialties here. I get, I, people thank me for it, which I, I can't. Pastor, thank you for showing all the stupid stuff you've done so I can save myself. Ooh, praise the Lord. Okay, so when I heard about the window not opening, I thought to myself, and this might not be true. I'm just telling you what I thought to myself. How many things... I mean, somebody knew that window, somebody knew that that window was sticky. Right. You know, it's a, just push a little harder. Somebody knew it was sticky. And I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just saying that the maintenance on the window, it's fair, would it be fair to say, you're, you're, you know about windows, Wally. Would it be fair to say the maintenance on the window was there's something wrong, or the window needed to be replaced, or there's something wrong, right? Because windows shouldn't be sticky. They should open right, and you shouldn't have to put all your weight so much that you flip out of a window. Am I right? Am I right? So something wrong with the window, right? And, it, and would it be fair to say that maybe somebody knew about that? I, and I, I, and I, I thought that to myself, and at the same moment, I thought, what about all the stuff that you need to fix around here? What about all the stuff that's half done and you haven't what about that now I was going fishing I had a, uh, a cab over camper on my truck and it was about 10% out of kilter maybe a little bit more in other words it wasn't centered that thing you got praying tongues it'd take me an hour sometimes to get that straight I heard there's a better way but anyway it's usually me praying in trung tongues to get that perfectly centered in the back of my my Dodge Cummings turbo diesel <laughs> It takes me a little while. So I got, I was in a rush and I'm like, I felt like the Lord helped me and I got in there, but the truck is responding a little bit different, throws a little bit more to one side. No big deal, right? And I hear about this, I'm just thinking, man, I'm so guilty of some stuff like that. And I repented and I said, oh Lord. And I immediately thought about my camper. Now to redo it could take a long time or the Lord could help me. He helps me either way. And I thought, oh, I'm going to take that trip. And then, then my flesh goes, oh, that's good enough. you got a lot of other work to do. And I'm thinking, no, it's not. That's right. <laughs> I took that thing off my bed, backed it up, got it right. And it wasn't perfect, but it was within a margin of error. It's so easy to point the finger at somebody, so easy to point the finger at, at, at and that, that's never what we should do. So well, what should we do then? Well, you should repent. That's what he's saying. Unless you repent, you'll also perish. And I couldn't help but think about this scripture as I went off to go slay some reds in the Kenai. We slayed one mighty fisherman. Nanook of the North bringing the heat on the, on the Russian River anyway. <laughs> flossing the reds. Okay, if you're a fisherman, you chuckled right there. But if you... And so I repented for all the stuff I hadn't, that I hadn't finished or hadn't done or things that, that were, you know, well, that's good enough. And I, I was like the Lord cataloged things in my life, how he'd spoken to me, but I said, nah, that's pretty good. And how that caused a problem. I mean, it was like he went over, he went over a lifetime of things to show me. 
follow through, do it right. If it ain't worth doing right the first time, then don't do it. I mean, have you heard that? My dad used to say that. I just never listened. It's like making the sandwich. I knew better. I know a better way to make the sandwich. <laughs> Am I getting through to anybody tonight? Yes. So when tragedy strikes, don't blame, don't, abuse, don't, don't point the finger at somebody, repent, repent, repent for what? Repent for your own shortcomings. When we see bad stuff, it's not time to judge, it's time to repent. And we deal with evil really on two levels. Demon spirits can possess people. And, and I believe to shoot 100, 100 rounds into a Republican uh, baseball practice would definitely be um, motivated and inspired by evil and, and the devil, demons. I think you can do that and not have a demon or two or three. So there, are, there is tragedy that happens as a, result of, as a result of people being possessed. And listen, the devil wants to use you as a pull toy. Do you know what a pull toy is? Some of your little kids have them. It's, you know, it's got a little string and you, they walk around and it has some, has some wings that flap around and it goes quack, quack, quack. Yeah, the devil wants, you to, wants to do stuff like that to you. That's why you got to live right. One of the reasons. We're all capable of evil, really. Live in a world where there's reactions to what people do. And sometimes those reactions... I've taught my son, he, he, was, he drove my truck and camper over the pass from Kenai down to Girdwood at 14 because he was ready for it. If he wasn't ready, I wasn't going to put him behind the wheel. But as I was teaching him, you got to drive that thing a little different. You can't be jerking the wheel, otherwise you get into, the, you get into these speed wobbly things and if you keep trying to correct, you're going to end up flipping it. So we had a wonderful lesson. We never got into that place, but I, I coached him all the way through. You see, sometimes, sometimes we get involved in things that we don't really know what we're doing. And, and, and we end up in difficulty flipping over the truck and the camper with great harm to other people. Hello. And that's just because we live in a fallen human. You know, one, one, one day we'll be in heaven. We won't have those issues. But it's not like you're going to play a harp and wear a diaper and fly around. That's not what heaven is. Oh, you, you, you're, you're, being, you're being taught to rule and reign. You're, you're, you're learning to walk in a way that's pleasing to him. And, and they actually, it says somewhere in the New Testament, as stars differ in brightness and glory one from another, so in heaven, a be one believer will differ from glory than another. How does that happen? That's the rewarded loss program. So, so God wants to bless you and he's got to have an eternal perspective on tragedy now and, and later. What's sad is people play religious games and point the fingers and all of that. There really is a power that lurks in darkness and it lurks in your heart too. And you have to be sure to live a lifestyle of repentance. Just ask God, not in a condemning, beat down way, but constantly allow for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Have you done anything wrong? Repent. Listen, this is a, you're not going to hear this in the hyper grace movement. Amen. A neo-Calvinism doesn't teach this. 
But this is real Christianity. Day by day, you're waking up, you're searching your heart, and you allow him to show you stuff. And I love this. My friend Michael Gannon taught me this. You lay, lay one hand on your spirit. You kind of, go ahead, try it. Put one hand on your, your spirit, so to speak, representing your spirit, and the other one on your mind or your soul. And then just do a, do a soul spirit check. How are you doing? Do you have sin in your life? Ask the Lord, do I have anything, Lord? Do I have anything that's grieving you? And let him show you stuff. And then what do you do? You ask, oh, God, forgive me. And then go fix it. And then change. Hello. Almost done. Set your heart on bearing fruits of righteousness. But love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Set your heart. Worship team, please. Set your heart on bearing fruits of righteousness. Don't judge. Live a lifestyle of repentance. Set your heart on, on bearing. How's your fruit? Somebody said to me, oh, we're not supposed to judge. Oh, yes, you are. Not a judgment under condemnation, but, oh, I was, I, I, you know, think whatever you like, honestly, but we're driving, and I'm teaching my son to discern vehicles. What do you mean? Well, if a car drives by you at high rates of speed, with, one, with tail lights that are knocked out and they're swerving left to right, what are you doing? You're discerning that there's someone in there that has some issues. So what do you do? Punch it and pass him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Back off. Watch what's going on. We had an 18-wheeler blow by us. And when it passed, we could see an inside tire was coming off. I said, back off, see that? You see, he says, yeah, I see that. I said, back off. He says, is that good? I said, nope, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. We let that thing get ahead. It's tight pieces of tire flying out. I'm teaching him to judge. And then, and then we run a scenario. Okay, here's, here's what we're going to do if there's a problem. You have to anticipate like that while driving. Listen, you got to live your life that way. Some of you have flat tires that are your best friends. No, no, no. Love them enough to just, you know, put some distance. Right? And ask God to change you. So when tragedy strikes, don't judge victims. Repent. And, and ask God to help you to bear forth fruit. Did we skip any, any blanks? Isn't that awesome? If you didn't get the, all the blanks, if you pray in tongues, ask for a word of knowledge. <laughs> or you can look on your neighbor if he's been filling them in. Or if you're utilizing the app, you can email it to yourself. It'll fill the blanks in miraculously by some technological thing. Come on, lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Holy Spirit. In the midst of the pressure and the trial, there's working for you a far exceeding weight of glory. There's 
working things for you. He's changing you. He's healing you. Don't ever waste a good trial. He's touching your life. He's healing you from the inside out. I created you for greatness. I created you for my glory. Well, the enemy comes to try to mess things up. And the world says, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want to. No, there's a prescribed way of loving God. If you love me, you'll obey my word. And all we can do is just do that. And when tragedy strikes, I've heard people say, oh, they died because they messed with the ministry. They touched the anointing, the anointed one. So they're no longer alive. You say, does that happen, Pastor? I think absolutely it is a biblical idea. But for you to say, oh, that is what happened, better check yourself, because all, all we're supposed to do is love people. Don't get yourself in a place of like wishing, oh, let us call down fire on the town, Lord. That's, he says, you know not what spirit you're of. We're supposed to be servants. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.